eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. And this is a different kind of Michigan Recruiting Insider in that not going to be heavy on talking specific guys. Really, the focus is on the future, the uncertainty around the future and the, the potential impact on this recruiting class. Current recruiting class, recruiting efforts in 2022. I mean, all of those things hanging in the balance of Michigan's decision on Jim Harbaugh and when they announce it. Joining me to talk here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider, the crew over at TMI, covering recruiting better than anyone else on the Michigan beat. Starting off first with Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you? What's going on, guys? Same as always. And of course, Bryce Marich. Bryce, how are you, man? Doing good, just like Steve. Yeah, man, it's... uh. It's different. It's different this year. Didn't expect to, to be in the position of feeling like covering recruiting, covering the team was like it was circa 2014, circa 2010. That's what this feels like with you know, basically the national media, national and local media all talking about if there's going to be a coaching change. I mean, I, I don't know if it struck you guys this way, but watching Michigan Penn State Saturday, it felt like in between talking about plays on the football field, almost every time they were talking about is Jim Harbaugh going to be the coach here next year. And from a recruiting standpoint, I don't know if there's been a single episode, an article, commentary. I don't know if there's been anything so far that is as damaging to their recruiting effort as a three-and-a-half-hour PSA for other schools that are trying to recruit Michigan's commitments. I mean – schools haven't had any shortage of negative recruiting ammunition with Michigan's commitments now. I mean, and this is kind of the icing on the cake in that regard and the silence, which I know we're going to get to uh, going forward, but yeah, you know, that's like I said, it's like a perfect uh, crap storm has kind of, you know, arrived for Michigan. You have Notre Dame, probably their biggest recruiting rival about to make the playoffs. Uh, Ohio state provided they're able to play enough games will probably make the playoffs. You lose to Mel Tucker in Michigan State in his first season, and you give Penn State their only win of the year so far. <laughs> Add everything else in. National media obviously going to pile on Harbaugh. I mean, the national media has kind of used Harbaugh for clicks and reaction and stuff, even when things are going well. Um, he's going to be one of the first guys they're going to pile on when things go bad. you know. And so, yeah, I mean, it's – Dire situation uh, right now in, in, in a lot of different directions, no doubt. Yeah, it's like Steve said, it's kind of a worst case scenario. I mean, coming into the season, I don't think anyone predicted two and four. 
and looking at Ohio State without even having played Ohio State yet. Um, you know, you look at just right now keeping together the class and figuring out, like you said, Sam, in your piece, making a step forward with Jim Harbaugh or not. And the difficult part with that is, you know, with the schedule being pushed back due to coronavirus, having that early signing period, which I want to say, guys, what, 90, a majority of the kids sign early. So you have, what, three to four days to now make a decision if you're the kids in this class of, you know, am I staying? Am I not? Am I going to push it back to February? There's a lot of, you know, wheels turning, a lot of different decisions. And plus, Michigan's done a really good job with the 2022 class. So now you got to kind of think about that class. And, you know, if you're going to drop the ball or you're going to have issues with one class, you don't want it to be an avalanche and snowball effect and carry into the 2022 class. Like you said, Sam, your piece, we need to see a decision be made pretty soon. Yeah, you're talking about the kids who aren't going to decide early. Like Xavier Worthy is going to school. Uh, he's going to be a mid-year guy. Those guys, their timeline, talking about wait till wait till after the seat. What? I mean, that's why he went down to Alabama. That's why he said after that visit, no interviews. Uh, if that doesn't single out and highlight the significance of the timing of all of this. Now, I don't sit here suggesting that recruiting is the primary concern if you're going to make a change. I, I think, look, if if Jim Harbaugh is not your guy, and I said this in, in the piece I wrote earlier this afternoon, then it makes sense. It's understandable, at least, why you aren't saying anything. But if Jim Harbaugh is your guy, then it is, I mean, you are saving him for a future that you are harming with timing. Because the idea behind it is you think he's going to get it right. You think he's going to get it back on track moving forward. That means filling in some of these talent deficiencies uh, on the roster, whether that be through the recruiting class or in the portal. Well, now what you do by waiting is you allow for other schools to position themselves to poach your, not just your recruiting class, but poach your players because you haven't challenged that narrative that's out there. You remove yourself from position to recruit other guys. So I'm going to give you guys an example of what I would do if I'm Michigan. If I'm Michigan, aside from trying to win that game Saturday against Penn State, I'm looking at a guy like Lance Dixon. And I, I talked about Lance on a prior recruiting insider where I said, I wonder how he's how he's doing over there. And it was relative to, I think we were talking about Kalen King. And I, I wonder if how they're doing, how he's doing, how Enzo Jennings is doing, is something that, you know, would affect a guy like Kalen King and Kobe King. If things aren't going well for them, you know, how is it looking for Michigan guys over there? Well, I'm wondering about that about when it comes to Lance specifically. So if he's not playing over there, I might be putting some feelers out to see if he'd be interested in bolstering a position here that definitely needs an influx of athleticism there. I would be all over the Lance Dixon train. But you know who else would be all over, who I imagine is all over that train? Michigan State. I bet you Mel Tucker's looking over there. Mel Tucker has, I mean, think about it. Mel Tucker has Trey Mosley over there. Sure, there's Makari Page and Cornell Wheeler over here. They got a West Bloomfield guy too. So as these feelers are being put out in that scenario, what do you think he would think about the more solid you know, situation would be? What do you think he would say? I bet you you'd say Michigan State's more solid. So you're affecting things like that with the timing if you have made the decision 
that he's your guy. You need to say that because you are hindering his effort by not saying anything, hindering his effort to put Michigan in the best possible position moving forward. To me, I think this is a no-brainer. And you cannot expect for people to stop speculating, and you cannot expect for that speculation to not have an effect. Silence is speaking. Silence talks too. In this case, Steve, I think they can ill afford to be silent if Jim Harbaugh is going to be the guy still. Yeah, it's like you said, like recruiting may not have to be the main angle, but it's got to be considered. It has to be under consideration. Talking about trying to make the program the best for the future, you could kill two recruiting classes with extended silence. We know like how the cycles have sped up so much. Yeah, maybe if, if Harbaugh was to move on, they bring in the right hire. Uh, maybe the 22 class would still, they could still find something there, but you'd be, it'd be a total rehaul. It'd be really hard to kind of say at that point, but yeah, I think each day that goes by, I think these other coaches around the country aren't salivating over, you know, you don't think uh, maybe Orgeron or trying to think of some of the schools recruiting a guy like junior Colson, you know, who's been committed for how long, or even a guy like J.J. McCarthy, again, I don't think there's any concern there. I think he feels like a guy who's going to sign either way. But that doesn't mean that other schools aren't going to at least plant the seeds of doubt as long as this is kind of lingering over everybody. I mean, you know, we've talked for a while. This has sort of been an elephant in the room. Now it's like 35 elephants <laughs> all in the room at the same time. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, each, in my opinion, each day that goes by, you know, Michigan is damaging – because I think we agree if Michigan came out tomorrow and said, Harbaugh, you know, this is our guy. We're going to stick with him. We're going to make some changes, but but he's going to lead our program going forward. I think we both all agree that the vast majority of the guys that are verbaled right now would end up signing. I think it would probably solidify that class for the most part, um, you know, and, and let them move on to 22. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it's a three-day gap between currently scheduled Ohio State game and the early signing period. It's just it's such a danger zone yeah. uh, building up. Yeah, I think the worst thing that you could do is get an extension done in January. Because by that point, you've you've impacted the class probably irreparably. Because by that point, Xavier Worthy is, you know, he's out of here. Uh, you know, maybe you've lost other guys that, you know, I talked to, to Rod Moore. He was one of the guys to sort of reaffirm his commitment but with some questions like i'm i'm concerned or i was concerned about all the talk but it was you know the feelings were kind of calmed and quelled by being around the other guys and the assurances of the coaches but how long does that last when they continue to lose games and everyone is talking but now the entire seven eight times during the broadcast saturday mike golick is talking about harbaugh not being the coach at michigan and you mean to say let's assume for the sake of argument that they play these next two games, that they play against Maryland. We don't know if that's going to happen. It's obviously in doubt depending on COVID. And then that they play Ohio State. And I've been saying this here, telling people this for the last couple weeks. Ohio State is not dressing their punter for that game. He's not dressing. He won't even show up for the game. Because they are telling people, I'm sure they are telling people, we won't need a punter for that game because we aren't punting. They are looking to draw blood in that contest. And based on how the game has gone the last couple of years, rivalry game though it may be, they've scored 50 and 60 points. And Michigan has shown to ha- itself to have a worse defense this year 
than they did the last two years. So it's hard to see a scenario where that game doesn't get out of hand. And so what do you think the narrative that what what narrative do you think is going to be spun by that broadcast duo? It's going to be Jim Harbaugh is probably out of here the whole game. Unless, and with, with more eyes on it nationally, unless if he's your guy, you've come out ahead of time and said, look, Jim Harbaugh is our guy. We're getting the extension signed as soon as the season is over. If you say that, now the narrative, Bryce, during the game is, hey, man, Michigan is getting drilled today, but they've already made the commitment to Jim Harbaugh uh, to to make the fixes, to make the changes necessary to bring Michigan back. That becomes the the narrative that maybe helps you preserve some of these recruits. So I, I, I'll say again, if Jim Harbaugh is your guy, if you've made that determination and everything that I've heard or everything that I heard heading into the weekend was – that Ward Manuel was still on board with Jim Harbaugh. If that is still the case, it behooves you, it behooves Michigan to say that now because the longer you wait, the worse position you put them in when it comes to retention of this class, retention of this roster, the pieces that uh, there are going to be some guys that go, there's some guys that are on the fence that you can still keep. And then, yeah, obviously, the ability when it comes to finishing some of these big time recruiting races that they're in, whether it's Donovan Edwards or even the 2022s, to your point, Steve, some of these guys are gearing up to make decisions soon. If you want to be in a position to affect those even, getting this announced, getting this over with as far as your decision is concerned, helps you in that regard, Bryce, if Jim Harbaugh, I keep saying if Jim Harbaugh is the guy. Now, I'm leaving open the possibility that maybe Jim Harbaugh is not the guy. Well, if that's the case, well, you, you better also be you know, out there vetting guys behind the scenes through back channel sources. Get that started up now, too, if Jim Harbaugh is not the guy. Either way, you got to start making your moves quick, fast, and in a hurry. So for me, kind of how I look at this approach or this season going forward, it's a lost cost. They're not winning the Big Ten championship. They're not meeting any of the goals they have. So what can you still accomplish with this in terms of recruiting? For me, it's kind of showing those younger guys the opportunity to play early. Mm-hmm. So – Play these young guys. Play these four-star freshmen you have in waiting in the wings. You have nothing to lose. You can show the younger recruits, like a Donovan Edwards, you know, hey, look at Makari Page. He's playing a significant role, and we're not waiting for him to develop. He's going to develop right now, right away. And so it's one of those things of, like you said, Sam, with Jim, if he can come out and let's say they do decide you are a guy, first call he should make is to J.J. McCarthy and say, I'm going to be your coach. And I'm going to want you to be our quarterback. And you have the opportunity right away to play as a freshman. And he should be telling several of the guys in the 2021 class, which is a top 10 recruiting class right now, we're expecting you to play. This is don't don't look at this as an opportunity to redshirt or, you know, wait a while. We need you guys now. We're looking at the same time. Look at the transfer portal. See guys that are out there that can immediately help you in terms of the defense, offense, anywhere. Anywhere that can help you, you got to ch- – every stone you need to flip and unturn it and see what you can find and don't look at any opportunity like it's a waste. So if I'm Jim Harbaugh and you find out I'm the guy, Ward Manuel says, listen, Jim, we want you as your coach going forward. He needs to get on the phone with these recruits. Let them know. We want you still in this class. This is the game plan. I got the extension. And say – we're going to play you right away. So I think that's the approach I would go going forward. 
if Jim is your coach. They have some talent deficiencies on this roster. They have some talent development deficiencies as well. If you want to start addressing those, you got to, you know, arm him to do so. Arm him with assurance that they can sell. Coaches are telling these kids, and I'm sure you guys talk to recruits, they're telling them we're going to be around, but what rec- – I mean, what yeah. do they really have to base that on? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, That's... of course they're saying that. But yeah. you got to give them something to buttress that against. Hey, the AD just said publicly, nationally, the extension is being signed. Now you got something that you could put on the table in front of all these guys, Steve. <laughs> I mean, okay, even if you're Harbaugh, you're thinking you maybe like saying, "Hey, are you gonna? Am I gonna stay or what's what's going on here?" I mean, because it is at you. Because if you wait, like you said, January to me, that's what I said before we got on. Uh, you wait past early signing day, and I think it just shows how out of touch, you know, some of the decision makers are because you're legitimately potentially costing Michigan a healthy chunk of the future that you claim the guy you want to keep can can get can get back going you know by by waiting because and and you can't blame these kids and their families one bit if this goes into you know December 5th 14th and 15th and nobody knows what the hell is going to happen you can't blame these kids and their families at all for at least at least surveying other options if not finding a more stable situation for themselves for the next three four five years so uh yeah I mean there's (laughs) there's uh, there's really no upside to the status quo I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so, like you said, what is it? Crapper, get off the pot, or whatever they say. You know, <laughs> great way to like, put it. Yeah, something's got to. You know, something you think something's got to give here at some point because it is. It's really, it's more. You know, it's just the more you wait, the more it's going to hurt your recruiting now, future. You know, whatever. So the assumption that I think is going to be reasonable to make that if Michigan goes through the you know goes through the month of December without addressing this publicly then at that point is reasonable to assume that they are seriously exploring moving on from Jim Harbaugh if they go through this month and they have not made some sort of public proclamation about what they're going to do with Jim Harbaugh then everything that everyone's saying about the the, hey we don't know who the coach is at Michigan who the coach of Michigan is going to be moving forward all of that will have proven warranted in my eyes because they will definitely have been looking around. If they hadn't been, then it's like, well, what what was the delay for then, right? I don't know what else, what other conclusion you could draw, Bryce. No, I, like you said, it's make a move now or what are we doing? And so it's one way or the other. It's pretty simple at this point. Like you said, recruits aren't waiting. They're not waiting to find out that answer. Like you said, Xavier Worthy took a trip down to yeah. Alabama. Yeah, and so- that trip... I mean, talk about a performance to go watch, too. Yeah, let me just take a minute to have a beef with 24-7. Like, when a guy commits to a school and you get a crystal ball right, you shouldn't get lamb- you shouldn't get hit when that kid flips to another school. I think that is the worst policy in the, con- in the company, Steve. All I don't right, know what you right, think. So, hey, so my percentage, <laughs> I think my overall percentage since I've been doing this is somewhere around 77%. I want to say the vast vast majority of those misses were kids that I picked to like maybe a Michigan wasn't going to get them pick them somewhere else and then just kind of forgot about them and then they flip somewhere else on signing day and yeah then it ding it dings you against your uh your overall so um I've tried to watch a lot closer this cycle for those situations I know Hal Presley a guy that Michigan offered 
at receiver committed to Baylor, flipped to Auburn a couple weeks ago. I made sure to get that one in before <laughs> before it happened. Because yeah, I mean, it is. Oh, I agree. I agree. Especially, you know, some of these guys make like 200 predictions. So I don't really, I know none of us really go that route. It makes it a little bit more difficult for them. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. No, I've, I'd be the first person to complain about that one for sure. Hey, man, I got I got a check mark against me for Nick Patterson, who was the offensive lineman from uh, St. Francis, St. Francis last year that flipped to yeah. Baylor. What was his name? Mike. Uh, I can't. Oh, Mascua. Yeah, Mascua. I got ding for him. Like I got that pick right. <laughs> the hell, man. <laughs> He flipped and I get ding kind of crap. Anyway. Nick Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a joke, man. All right. So let's talk a little bit of recruiting. Uh, you know, we sort of touched on the, the Xavier Worthy thing. Uh, speaking of which, I, I'm going to have to look around to see if it's time to change that crystal ball uh, if a flip is in store there. But there, uh, aside from the pursuit, the ongoing pursuit of Donovan Edwards, there – you know, they're still actively pursuing defensive linemen. So let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other line, we will touch on defensive tackle recruiting specifically to see what angles Michigan might try to attack here down the stretch. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, guys. So obviously much of the defensive line recruiting attention or focus for us here was on a kid who committed to Michigan State a few weeks ago, Rayshon Benny. That left in the crosshairs for Michigan, George Rooks, who they've been recruiting for quite some time. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I want to say maybe week, week and a half ago, word came trickling out of Jersey that he was closing in on a decision. Of course, that decision didn't come. Surprise, surprise, right? With those guys, it didn't it didn't happen. So, you know, continues to be a guy that they are pursuing. You know, another reason to really focus on the timeline for making an announcement on Harbaugh. But I'm curious what you what both of you guys think of that recruitment, where Michigan stands, uh, who the prime combatants are at this stage, and then other defensive line avenues Michigan might go down. Let's start with you, Bryce. So with Rooks, you know, it's a 6'3", 270 defensive tackle, four-star from New Jersey. And like you noted, he's the guy that Michigan's really worked on for quite some time. And he kind of has an eerie vibe to Drew Kendall, his recruitment, where it's like, are you going to make a decision? What are we doing here? How long are we waiting? Who's now the leader? That's kind of flipping back and forth. And so right now, I kind of feel Boston College has taken the lead in their recruitment. I thought Penn State was Michigan's main kind of competition there 
but it looks like Penn State might be moving on, or at least they're looking at other options where they offered Victory Vaca, who's a name familiar to Michigan fans. He's a 6'2", 350-pound defensive tackle from Westlake Village in Cali. Michigan offered early, kind of cooled on him, someone I don't think Michigan was too fond of. Um, and still, to this point, I just posted a piece. I don't think they're going to pursue him as well. Another guy they're taking a peek at is Andre Porter. He's a mm-hmm. 6'3", 300-pound defensive tackle from Pennsylvania. He's committed to Boston College, but he's still kind of look. I wouldn't say looking around, but he's listening to other schools. And Michigan's obviously a school he's going to listen to. So he's staying in communication with them. He's staying in communication with Minnesota, Maryland as well. He's another option. I think the third option is transfer portal. I feel like, you know, a freshman defensive tackle, it's tough to make impact. You look at Chris Hinn, you look at Mozzie Smith. It's just tough to see defensive tackles really make an impact as freshmen. So I think if Michigan wants a guy that can make an impact right away, you look through the transfer portal. Look at Mike Dana. That worked out for them. So why not go back that way? see what's out there. And you know names are going to be flying through the transfer portal left and right, especially with this season, how it's went. I like Andre Porter. I actually, I'd argue Porter, best guy they're still recruiting in the middle. Um, I think he's a really good prospect. Ironic, that's why I'm glad that uh, Bryce mentioned Drew Kendall. I feel like him and George Rooks must be very good <laughs> friends uh, off the field. So uh, I almost wonder if it's a, a giant troll, uh, you know, as many times as announcement, no announcement has gone on in these recruitments, but yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you know, we've talked, it's, it's common sense losses, instability, uncertainty are not going to help. You know, we t- we're talking, we've focused mostly on Michigan trying to keep the guys they have right now. The ones who are uncommitted uh, makes it even more difficult with, because they haven't even pledged to the staff yet. Um, and you see all this uncertainty. So with a guy like Rooks, you might argue Boston College is the most stable situation of the three. Uh, Jeff Halfley looks like a really good hire there for them. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, he ran a, a strong defense at Ohio State. We've actually seen Ohio State's defense kind of struggle a little bit. You know, Halfley was architect of a really good one for them the one year he was there. So uh, there's reasons for Boston College, I suspect, uh, possibly being up front there. So, yeah, I agree with Bryce. I was just looking down the, the tackle rankings in 21. I don't see <laughs> – uh, anything not much. just about literally, you know, I, I do think there's one other thing, not sure if Michigan has really gone this Avenue yet or not, you know, with COVID and with a lot of schools and States, not having any senior season or a limited senior season. This is where the guys that you pay to do the eval back the background work, the deep, deep dive evals. These are where guys like that can maybe make some money because there's gotta be some kids out there who didn't camp this summer or spring maybe didn't play a senior season or only played a couple games somewhere in the country that might, you know, be a Michigan caliber or any school caliber kid out there. Um, At least one that you can take. And again, I know, you know, you at at Michigan needs guys that can play tackle right now. I I don't, unless you go the portal route, I don't, there's definitely not a kid. I think even if they got Rooks, I don't think Rooks is a year one Mm -hmm. guy by any means. Right. So uh, yeah, I mean, for an instant impact, it's, it's almost gotta be the portal at this point. Otherwise, I do like Andre Porter, and I'd be interested if you know if they are if they're doing some deep dives on some guys that maybe didn't get an opportunity to to showcase their abilities this this spring, summer, or fall. One guy I'm especially interested in, and I I wonder because uh, I haven't been out to see them. I know Newkirk went out to see River Rouge, but a guy that they're really intrigued 
uh, by and with earlier in the season or early in the offseason was uh, Pius Ajugo. You know, he's a 6'3", 325-pounder that I remember the talk was, man, they want to see what he looks like at camp. Now, he can at least come in and be big. That doesn't necessarily guarantee you a place on the field. I mean, Mozzie Smith, case in point, right? Uh, but watching them get moved off the ball up front shows you just the, you know, the lack of size, the, you know, kind of the paucity of just big fellas that they have. Uh, and he at least has some – he's big and he's athletic. Now, he, he'll need to be coached up as far as, you know, technique is concerned, but comes from great bloodlines. You know he's related to the Ojemudias, both who play college football at a high level. Obviously, uh, the younger brother being in the uh, in the pros playing defensive back, Ruka Horaho, is a, a defensive lineman at, at Clemson. That's another one of his relatives. So you know, from a from a relative standpoint, you you know he he has athleticism in the genes. If you can do the rest, and in the absence of of other clear options, I mean that that's one right here in state that I wonder if they will look harder at, uh, especially if they whiff on some of these other guys that that they're pursuing and understanding that you're going to lose guys to the portal. You're going to lose guys to the portal, period. So that being the case, I mean, I think you're going to have room. Uh, Do you take a chance on a guy like that if you miss on guys like Rooks, if you miss on a guy like Andre Porter, uh, Bryce? That's that's the kind of thinking that I wonder uh, if they're going to explore as they get close in here uh, on the home stretch. It's one of those situations where I feel like you kind of have to take a flyer in a kid. I know that's, you know, a big thing people always say is, you know, see Michigan caliber. Is he? But at the same time, I don't know if converting defensive ends and kind of bulking them up is working at this point. I think they've tried over several guys and it's, you know, it's one thing to get pushed back. I feel like by Wisconsin, it's another thing to get pushed back by like Penn State, whose offensive line is not anything to brag about or offensive lines like Michigan state, you know, where their offensive line is not anything to brag about. So I think they just need some Brian Monet's maybe a Gabe Watson. I'm throwing it back, throwing my, taking it away, but, man. but just someone who's just, he, you just, you put him right in the middle and he just, you have, he's so wide. They just take up at least two, two holes, two gaps. Cause he's just that big, you know, and if they want to run a three, three, five, you know, sort of option, and just go from there. So I think you just need at least one or two big bodies to just put in there. And you can't wait for the 2022 class. I feel like this is something you got to do it now. This class is one you have to address it. I, that's been a glaring thing to me. Just you look at Michigan on defense especially, and they they just look small at certain spots. Uh, and it's most evident up front. Now, part of that is due to injury. Make no mistake. I mean, you you lose Aiden Hutchinson on one edge. You're without quitty pay for much of the season on the other edge, and you're going to see guys that aren't, aren't physically where where those two are. And add to that, you know, some of the other bodies that you lost just along the front uh, via transfer. I mean, Aubrey Solomon would be here, right? You know, he he's a guy starting at Tennessee. James Hudson is starting at. At Cincinnati, albeit on the offensive line, but he was a defensive lineman in this mix. We talked about Deron Irving Bay. I don't know what has become of him at Central Michigan, but he was an All-American prospect coming in. A lot of those guys that that you were looking to to maybe be guys up front just aren't here right now. 
uh, and you you have seen what those absences look like, the the hole that they have been put in as a result of those absences or departures. So I'm like you, Bryce. Uh, you know, if if you whiff on all else, taking a flyer on size and athleticism that you have to coach up and not build up physically to your point about defensive ends that you're packing 40, 50 pounds on, this is a guy that comes in at 325. You just got to teach him football, which is, I know, easier said than done. But between the two, you know, taking a – we've seen what it looks like trying to take those guys and build them up over time. I mean, I mean that hasn't been working in a way that makes those guys ready right now. At least you got a guy that physically you could throw on the field and uh, kind of feel like at least he won't get blown off the ball. You might have to teach him which way to go, Steve. But, you know, he could – if nothing else, he could go in there and be big, right? Right. I think, you know, yeah, This you brought up the guys from 17 – you know, where, where this is really kind of this this whole lack of depth and lack of really everything has started. This is the thing I can't wrap my head around. You guys, I assume you guys would agree. You played Carlo Kemp at defensive tackle last year. You'd think there would have been more of an effort in the 20 class to take, you know, more than just Chris Jenkins in the middle. I know Aaron Lewis was another one of those defensive ends that was eventually going to shift over and Jenkins is the same, but, but he has the bloodlines to play in the middle. I mean, that was a no doubter. Again, a guy we knew wouldn't be a year one kind of surprising looking back, knowing that you're already playing a guy out of position at defensive tackle, you know, at, with Carlo Kemp, that they didn't address it a little bit more last cycle. And here we are, what, two, two and a half weeks from early signing day. And, and they don't have a true, True defensive tackle committed in this class either. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely one of the areas where I, it's it's totally understandable for fans, I think, to be at least uh, questioning, if not frustrated, you know, because, yeah, I mean, it'd be the deepest it'd be the deepest position on their team right now if they'd have hung on to the guys, you know, that left the program, you know, and they because, you know, I don't know. It's just it's one of many, you know, situations there. But yeah. Yeah, head scratcher. Before we get out of here, guys, uh, I know there are a lot of people who are wondering with Victory Vaca, who you mentioned earlier, Bryce, who decommitted Texas A and M. You think is that an avenue that you you think Michigan will go down and explore at all? Yeah, with Vaca, yeah, decommitted from Texas A and M. Saw Penn State, Maryland, both offered not too quickly after he decommitted. I would be very surprised if Michigan pursued here. Uh, I suspect or believe that they had kind of backed off. I, I think he had named, and not really to make light or anything, but he had named like seven different top groups in like three or four weeks before he committed to Texas A&M. I think it was kind of a back-and-forth recruitment. I think Michigan got out of it um, knowing that there'd be some theatrics in it. And, I mean, who knows? I Maybe mean, this could be a test to see how deep they want to dig uh, at defensive tackle this cycle, but I'd be, but my initial reaction right away was a, there'd be a topic on the board about it and B that the answer from my end would be that. No, I'd be very surprised if, if anything came out of that. All right. So Bryce, what about you? Victory Vaca. You think that's a, a lane Michigan will try to get in? I don't, I don't. I feel like if you're going to take a lane to go in, Pius would be my pick from that and state guy. Good bloodlines, like you said, Sam. But like Steve said, look at the valuations, you know, but don't wait too long. It's early Sunday's coming up. So see what's out there and go go that route. 
I got you. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us on this uh, different kind of Michigan Recruiting Insider. I know we're always heavy on specific recruitments and you know what's going on with this school pursuing a top guy and where Michigan stands with another another guy and they're closing in on decisions. We do that every single week, but that just is not the, the theme uh, as Michigan heads into the home recruiting stretch for this class. It's what's going to happen with the coaching staff. That's what the kids are being bombarded with. That's what's affecting Michigan most on the recruiting trail right now, so we'll continue to follow it. Of course, we'll follow it extensively over on the Michigan Recruiting Insider, or Michigan Insider. Those of you who have rated and reviewed this podcast, thank you. Those that haven't, please do. Uh, either way, let your friends know about this podcast. Tell them they can find it wherever they get their podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast, and up they will come. Be sure to check us out next time on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.